Good morning, church. It is a blessing to be together here. If you're visiting with us, we make a big deal about community. Not that we know community or have perfected community. It's that we are committed to the pursuit of community, which is really hard these days because in general, a lot of us like to live our individual lives in community. It messes that up. People are different. Can I get an amen? I mean, people are just different. I mean, you like some people, but it's, it's just hard even to get together with family at times and like those people, let alone getting together with a group of individuals and then starting to do life together or figure out how to do life together. That's hard, but we're not just committed to building community. We're committed to making disciples, which actually brings us to our sermon series today. Today, we are in week three of a sermon series titled Watch Your Mouth, where the objective of the series is quite literally found in the title of the series. And, and as we've been working through this, this is a perfect sermon series for Father's Day because for a lot of us, we remember our dad, our father, our daddy saying to us, son, daughter, watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. And if, if you're a dad or you've played that role, you've realized how important your mouth is. I'm discovering this every single day in new layers because Jace is starting to parrot. And by parrot, what I mean is you say a word, Jace repeats a word. So just to give you the heads up, if you babysit my son and he comes home saying some certain words... We know the words that you're dropping at your house. This has happened quite frequently at my house where he just repeats things. Like, we're like, oh, oh, you want to watch Moana? He goes, Moana, Moana, Moana. And, and then he, he's caught uh, along the way. It's like, you know, uh, you know where, where do you go? Where did he go? Where, where, where did he go? And so uh, Kat left on her vacation for, for her birthday with her sisters. And, and as she was gone the next morning, he's walking around the house going, Ma? Mama, Mama, where do you go? Where do you go? I'm like, she's gone, man. She left you. I'm sorry. I don't know. <laughs> just the boys this weekend, kid. Just, just the boys this weekend. Uh, you know, across our life, when it comes to our mouth, probably the best, best summary could be found in Scripture. Thousands of years ago, an Israelite king, and if, if you're new to the church or, or, or coming back to Christ, you might be familiar with this guy. His name was Solomon. Solomon, you, you're probably more familiar with his daddy. His dad was David, the guy who killed Goliath, the guy who slept with Bathsheba. His son Solomon put it this way. He said, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now that's a, that's a quick summary, but we didn't need Solomon to reveal that to us because all of us have experienced from time to time the power of the tongue. We've seen where the tongue can build us up through kind words, through gentle words, through encouraging words. That moment when you were down and a friend called you, if you've ever had that experience and they speak over you kind words, you feel more alive. I mean, you were alive before, but you feel more alive in that moment. I was reading on Facebook, just kind of working through the, the feed, and, and I, I noticed someone made the comment. They said that it's special when a stranger calls you beautiful. 
One word. One word, beautiful. A complete stranger. And all of a sudden, life was infused. But on the other hand, all of us have also seen, some of us have had a front row seat when the tongue, the mouth, this thing, this instrument of communication turns sour. We've all been on the receiving end of someone's bad day where their bad day was transferred and made us have a bad day. Or we have had in living color an experience with a child, a sibling, a spouse, a friend, where we just have what I call it, it's not a pretty picture, but it, it's, it's one that probably best community, a diarrhea of the mouth. It's just blah, vomit. It's just straight out disgusting and, and it's, it's dirty and, and with it, it's not just a mess. It, it is quite literally, as, as was read, sword thrusts. There is, there's a way for our, our tongue to bring about both life and death. And we've seen this. All of us have seen this. And some of us, we have fallen victim to this. And some of us, we went from victim to perpetrator on this. We, we had our dad and our dad would speak something over us and then all of a sudden we became a parent and we started speaking it over the kids that were in our life. But it doesn't start with the mouth or the tongue. It's, it's really interesting the way this works out. We, we talked about this last week. Jesus, he, he put it in more words, but he said that, that our, our mouth is the overflow valve of our heart. Our mouth, our tongue, is the overflow valve of our heart. And so a number of you met in groups this last week, which is awesome. If you're not part of a group, I'd encourage you to get in a group. If you don't have a group and Wednesday doesn't work for you, I would encourage you to grab some of your girlfriends, grab some of your friends, and create a time for you to just go over this material because Sunday, listen to me, I'm going to preach. Sunday is not enough. It's not enough. A lot of us live in isolation, and our isolation leads to our destruction. Or, maybe not our, our destruction right away, it definitely leads to a haphazard Christianity. A mediocre, not fully devoted, living in shadow sin Christianity without community. But I digress. Back to the mouth, the tongue, and the heart. The tongue is the overflow valve of the heart. And just to make sure we were all on the same page, because it's really important that we're clear here, I thought I would give us a couple examples before we turn to this week's lesson, turn the page on last week to this week. A couple ways this works out, uh, just to start. A heart filled, a heart filled with bitterness will speak angry words. A heart filled with forgiveness speaks gracious words. A heart filled with entitlement speaks complaining words. And I know a lot of you like to look at a younger generation and, and you, got, you got some beef with the younger generation because they always seem like they're, they're so entitled, right? But 
but you've probably done quite a bit of complaining yourself, um, so we won't go there. A heart filled with gratitude speaks thankful words. When you, you have a heart of gratitude, thankful words naturally overflow. You don't have to wait for Thanksgiving to offer thanks. You just do it. It's just a practice for you because the heart flows to the mouth. Continuing, a heart filled with rejection speaks resentful words. A heart filled with acceptance speaks kind words. We see this all the time. When someone understands the acceptance of Christ, that, that Christ has accepted them where they are, all of a sudden they are more accepting of other people because they understand the great lengths Christ went to accept them in their state. But when we've been rejected, there's a tendency for us, and a lot of us still live this way because we're, we're still trying to understand the gospel. We don't understand that Jesus has accepted us, God has accepted us, and so we live in this state of rejection and we live with this constant resentfulness coming out of our mouths. Continuing, a heart filled with condemnation speaks judgmental words. Going back, a heart filled with love speaks compassionate words. That when we feel condemned, the tendency for us is to project that and offer that condemnation through judgmental words. Um, it's just really interesting and, and I think insightful for us to understand that the world, the way they see us, and, and for people that are leaving the church, what they will say is that most often uh, they will associate the church, uh, top three is judgmental. It's judgmental. Um, finally, a heart filled with self-righteousness speaks critical words. A heart filled with humility speaks gentle words. Um, it, it, it bothers me, it, con it concerns me that as I, I look around the church and, and more and more as I get a little bit older, I've had the opportunity to travel and see other churches and deal with, with um, a, a number of churches that are, are shrinking. And uh, when, I, when I get inside of those churches and I, I start to, to look around, one of the things that I notice is that there's, there's a lot of self-righteousness that we, we pride ourselves on where we have come in, in our religion up to that point. And, and, and we do not humble ourselves before the Lord and understand how far he has brought us. It's been him who's brought us to this point. And so when new people come in, they just can't relate. It's, it's like we're speaking two different languages. And so you have old churches and traditional churches. And you have younger churches and contemporary churches. And, and what's interesting from the, the facts and insight that are coming in, did you know that the fastest growing churches, the vast majority of them, haven't even hit their 10th birthday yet? And so scholars are looking over this time and time again because uh, the DNA is just different. It's open. There's a lot of new people in Christ, and so we're just all in this together. It's a missional mindset, but the, the, the thing that we have to catch the heart of why I bring this up is that it all starts with our heart. That whether we want to admit it or not, our mouth reveals what's been concealed by the heart. And so this week, 
We wanted to continue on to, to see how this works out. But to do this, uh, next week and this week's lesson, they're, they're going to be pulled from really the same passage of Scripture. I'm going to focus on the negative aspects, and Dustin's going to focus on the positive aspects and how this works itself out in the mouth. But to do that well, we really have to lay a context, we have to lay a foundation for this teaching. And, and, and if you're visiting, I, I would ask that you bear with me a little bit, or for you, maybe theology is not really your thing. We really have to lay this thing on strong, first and foremost, with an understanding of where we come from. Because for a lot of us, what we need to understand is that there is a difference for those who are in Christ and those who are out of Christ. When you are in Christ, what Scripture teaches is that something has actually happened that you have been changed and that you've been rescued from a heart that was dominated by sin. This is Paul's theology all throughout his letters. But what's interesting is that you can look throughout all of the New Testament and trace this. One of the clearest in my mind that today we're going to focus in on is from the book of Ephesians. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to open up there. Ephesians chapter 4 is where we're going to be. Now just to make sure that you understand the background of Ephesians, Paul is writing to this divided church, this church that he's seeking to help, seeking to support. And he starts the first three chapters of Ephesians is basically him laying a foundation of belief and teaching. What has happened, what's brought us to this point, who are you in Christ, who were you in the flesh. And, and so uh, Ephesians can, can really be summarized as in, in light of who we are by the gift of God's grace, may we walk in a manner worthy of our place. In light of who we are by the gift of God's grace, May we walk in a manner worthy of our place. That's, that's the book of Ephesians. First three chapters are three theology. Last three chapters really get into practice. What does this look like specifically in the flesh? But it's in chapter 4 that we start to turn. And, and Paul is building off an argument that he has laid in the first three chapters. So if you have not read the book of Ephesians here lately... It would do you well this week to reflect on the first three chapters of Ephesians. So that way you can see what Paul has said about you. Just a highlight is in chapter 2 verse 1 going on down through verse 10. Paul says, you were in darkness. You were like everyone else. But God... But God, now we're changing, but God, you've been transferred by his mercy has saved you. By grace, through faith, you have been saved. And he goes on, verse 10, this is verse 10, that we are his workmanship. Chapter 2, verse 10, we are his workmanship. So in chapter 4, coming back around, Paul says the following. Now this... I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Why? Because you're no longer in the futility of your mind. What we have to understand to get a hold and grasp of our tongue 
is that we are no longer like the world. At our very core, guys, this is so central. What we believe ultimately shapes how we live. You are a heavenly person who has been called to do heavenly works. You are the salt of the world. You are the light of the world. You are the body of Christ. Meaning that the spirit of Christ is inside of you. And the way God wants to work in this world is through you. If you don't concede, you impede the process of God. You actually hijack what God desires to do through his body because you're refusing to do what God has called you to do. But that's not who you are. So don't act that way. Your mind has been transformed, he says. Verse 18, this is still speaking about the world. He says, they are darkened in their understanding. And, and if you're visiting with us and, and you haven't given your life to Christ, this is going to sound so condescending. You're going to be like, wow, great day to come to church. This is awesome, fantastic. He is, he is specifically highlighting here a truth that he has observed. And it's not that people in the world do not have noble aspects to their life it's in relation to a perfect God which all of us would admit we're not perfect right right Carl <laughs> all of us would acknowledge we're not perfect and in light of this perfect God who has full understanding you would probably acknowledge that you your thinking is a little futile that maybe your understanding is a little darkened compared to perfect light that is God. And, and this is really to his point going on. He says, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance. Man, I, I really don't like that word. I know a lot of preachers, they, they love to hammer in on ignorance of the world, but that just doesn't rub me the right way. But Paul says it, ignorance that is in them, and here it comes, due to their hardness of heart. It flows from the heart. Good job. Flows from the heart. Verse 19. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. That word callous, it's really interesting in the Greek. In other uses of that word outside of scripture at the time, it's the idea that a, a bone has broken and then, then calcium deposits have been formed around it. And so it's just gotten harder. It's a buildup. And that this has happened to the heart. That the heart has been calcified. That it's gotten harder over time. That at one time it maybe felt a little bit, but over time it feels less and less. And, and we've seen this in our life. When we don't respond, and we don't give ourselves over to a spirit of conviction in that moment, what happens? I mean, over time we just generally lose the passion for it, right? I mean, at one point we were convicted about doing certain things, observing certain practices, you know, staying pure till we got married, coming and, and gathering with the saints. No, we're, no I'm not going to say or speak like that. Or, or maybe, you know what, I'm, I'm going to give, I'm going to be generous with my, my life, but... If you just kind of let it go, 
You grow hard to it. And it just doesn't matter as much. But again, this is in contrast. We have to see this. This is in contrast. For, for those of us who are in Christ, God has done a work in you. It's nothing that we've done. So if you're visiting with us, you have to catch this. It's nothing that we have done. It's no righteousness of our own. It's not because we're holy. That is certainly not the case. Look around this room. You can see it is certainly not because of our own personal holiness that this group is gathered here today. It's because of what God has done, Ephesians chapter 2. And it is because of this, because of this, that you shouldn't behave like the world. Because you are not the world. You are not the world. You are a child of God created for life-giving actions. You are the church. You are the bride of Christ. You are the light of the world. But then Paul, I love this. This is why you got to read your Bible. You have to read your Bible. Paul, in this moment, says this, verse 20. But that is not the way you learn Christ, just continuing to live in the flesh. To give yourself over, to be callous. You, you have to be sensitive to the heart. You're no longer going to be futile in your mind. You're no longer going to be darkened understand. You have seen the truth of the gospel. So why go back to the world? That's not the way you learn Christ. And then verse 21. This makes me laugh. Paul says, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. You know, of course, if you've been taught the right way, then I guess then you'll believe the right way. But if, if you haven't really been taught this, then I guess... You, you kind of get a pass because this is new to you. You thought that you could just go back to the world and live your life. You thought that, you know what, just when you came to Christ, you were saved. And then you, you could kind of go back to him or to her. And you could, you could I mean, uh, God's not really happy about it. But, <laughs> you know, it's just, I mean, you're, you're, you're in the flesh. I mean, what do you expect? I am what I am. That's all that I am. I'm just human. I'm just human. Every human sins. And so we bathe it and wash it in the sea of humanity. But Paul says that's not the way, assuming that's not the way you learn Christ. And then he communicates what he means by being in Christ. He says this, this is what we were supposed to have been taught. That we are to put off our old self, which belongs to your former manner of life is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to be put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Now we've illustrated this time and time again that you know, Paul's idea here is that there was a former life but you've been saved from that former life. So you are no longer who you used to be. You following let me, let me try to do this. So when you walk down into the waters of baptism, you might remember that someone said you were being buried with Christ. Being buried alive to die. And being raised to live a new life. If that has happened in your life, you are are not the old you. 
you have now taken on the character of God. When God looks at you, he looks at you through the perfect lens of his son. Not that you have been completely sanctified. Not that you completely understand everything. Not that you completely behave the way God desires you to behave. But he looks at you and says, that's my baby. That's my child. And with that person, I am well pleased. And now the call, just like, follow, just like when a child is born, it is my baby. We got a little girl on the way. Oh, can a, can a, can a guy just testify for a second? I am so, I need your prayers, church. We're about to have a little girl. A little girl. I mean, oh, I, I could just use you know, the, the healing oil and all that stuff to just wash over my whole life because they, they tell us this. And, you know, the doctors tell you that there's a 50-50 shot. It never really sunk in that there was actually a 50-50 shot. Like, I just assumed I was just going to have all boys. And then the doctor said, oh, here it is, it's a female. And then they take me into this very small room, which, I mean, it was incredible because they had these moving walls and the, the room started closing in on us. <laughs> and, and so it's, it's, it's closing, closing in, closing in, closing in, closing in. And, and, and my mind is starting to race someday, um, hopefully in November. This little baby is going to come into the world. And it will be my little girl. It'll be my baby. It'll be our baby. And with that, she will always, until some joker comes and takes her last name, she will always be in my family. The thing is, she will learn what it means to be in my family. Because there, you better believe there are going to be some things in, in mommy and daddy's house that are not acceptable in other people's houses. I love Henry Schweitzer, one of our elders uh, at his funeral. His daughter, Joanna, she shared this just moving testimony of, of Henry telling his kids before they would go out. He says, you carry my name. Be careful with it. And every single day we carry the name of Christ into the world. The question is, are we careful with it? Are we careful with it? In our private moments, in our public moments, are we careful with it? Because this is the truth in Christ, assuming that you've been taught as is true in Christ, that you put off the old, you put on the new, and now you are learning, you are learning every single day to live as God has called you to live. Meaning that you put off the old and you put on the new. In true righteousness and holiness. So, this is all cool and sweet and maybe a little bit motivating. You're like, you know what? I'm a child of God. Maybe for some of you, that was the most important thing that you heard all day. I am a child of God. I have been sealed 
by the Holy Spirit. I have been called to righteous living. I have been called to good works. I am a beloved child of God. You maybe needed to hear that today. But specifically, what does that call for out of all of our lives? And why I chose this scripture is because right after Paul lays this out, he starts specifically addressing what that looks like. And what's interesting is that when Paul specifically starts to lay this out, there's a thing that continues to come up time and time again. And it's your yapper. It's your mouth. Over and over again, Paul comes back to, listen, if you're going to put on the old, you have to take off the old. So what does this look like? Well, it's going to impact your mouth. And I was trying to think over the last couple months, like, okay, how can I, how can I illustrate this? Um, so we put off the old and we put on the new, and what would that look like? And, and really get it to sink in. Because, I mean, that's, that's what every preacher wants. Every preacher doesn't want to just get up and preach. I mean, some do, and, and large crowds. What I want is I want you to take this, and I want it to change your life. I want you to live more consistently and aligned with the Spirit of God in your day-in, day-out life at your crazy workplace with your crazy family. So what would that look like? And I thought, you know, a great illustration of this. When, when I was younger... Um, I would hear stories uh, about, you, you know, getting your mouth washed out with soap. And, and so I thought, you know, you, you know what we need to do is the whole series is titled Watch Your Mouth. We just need to talk about washing our mouth. You know, wash your mouth. Every morning, hopefully, every morning, you come in contact with one of these. If you don't, you might think we don't notice. Let me speak for the rest of us, we do. Gum does not make up for a toothbrush. In the morning, you have that experience, probably like I do. You wake up. And you got that nastiness in your mouth. That gunky film on your teeth, you're like, ugh, man, I... So you go to the bathroom, you bust out your handy dandy toothbrush. Now, I, this is the Colgate model. I'm looking for an endorsement here. Um, this is the standard Colgate. Nothing too impressive about it. Uh, the bristles uh, are made from otter hair. Um, no, I'm just messing. I made that up completely. I made that up completely. Uh, just your standard toothbrush. But what's beautiful about the toothbrush is that it both puts off and puts on. It takes off. I mean, you do the whole thing. and You, know, you do the front, so that way you got your pearly whites. You show that. See these? I, I got to watch these things. These are diamonds here. My mom and dad paid a lot of money through, you know, orthodontists for these bad boys. So I got to take care of them. Do that, and then we get back there, the chompers. Jason and I practice this, and then we work to that tongue, because if you know anything, when it comes to that bad breath, where does it reside? Ooh, right on that stanky tongue of yours, so you give it a good old bad, some of you guys, this is like, this is the most disgusting sermon <laughs> in the world. 
and it takes off all that gunk and it puts on something nice and fresh and protective, something that smells good. So this morning, I want to talk about washing your mouth. And where Paul takes this immediately to start out in verse 25 is he says that the way you wash your mouth is that you need to put off falsehood. Very first thing, we're not going to work through the text. The text is going to be up on the screen. You can work, this is incredible, you can actually work through this text yourself and parse it out and do the Greek because I know you guys love the Greek. You can do all that stuff. But the very first thing he talks about is falsehood. To put off falsehood. That in the community of Christ, when we wash our mouth, what needs to be removed is that falsehood, those lies, because we are, and he says this in verse 25, members of one another. We are members of one another, and so there is no room for lies here. Lying, lying creates this dynamic that can truly destroy a body. If, you're, if your hand sent the wrong signal, if it lied to your brain that you had your hand in scalding hot water, you would get injured. And time and time and time again, falsehood, it's in the church. It's not put off, and so people get hurt. Lies are spread. And, and, and what's interesting, and I think this is, I really want to hammer on this. When we talk about falsehood, another way of looking at this is that you project out of your mouth a false image that you do not live up to in your private life. And that in this, there is falsehood. And then what happens, eventually, it all comes to light. And destruction takes hold in a body. But because we are members of one another, because we are all in this together, we need to be true. And we have the power to be true. We have the grace that God loves us where we are and the grace that is training us to take steps forward that we are able to bring our full self to the table and acknowledge this is where I am. And I'm trying to take steps forward. You got to put off falsehood I, I you know I get the opportunity to work with a, a few guys and and throughout this series uh, I've I've thought about Eric Crawford Eric Eric is one of my boys Eric and I've had a lot of late nights and early morning conversations and and if you if we brought Eric up here um, Eric would Eric would testify about how that when he was in the flesh uh, he was never uh, a navy man but he had the tongue of a navy man you know what I mean like that thing could really rip and and one of the fun things as we kind of work through this is that uh, though Eric's ton has 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 you know gone through a transformation when it comes to vulgarity it has often been a sense of like this is where I truly am and it's been interesting watching the trajectory of his life as, as like, you know, in a group, like he, he says a, a word that I won't say here. Um, he says a word and then, then on his own, by his, the own conviction of his heart, he's like, hey, 
I probably shouldn't have used that word here. I probably shouldn't use that word, period. I'm like, wow, that's truth. That's true. So we put off falsehood. We put on the new character of Christ that is consistent. It is aligned. Remember in 24, Paul says true righteousness and holiness. All, it's not just a quinky dink that the next verse, Paul then says, put off things that are false. Because you need to be true in righteousness and holiness. And all of that flows from your mouth. The next thing that Paul says to put off is corruptive talk. You put off the corruptive talk, but you put on words that build up. Guys, this is destroying the church. That word corruptive talk, it's corrosive. And it doesn't matter. Listen, it doesn't matter if you do it publicly compared to privately. It's still destructive. I love, <laughs> I love in church. Something's going down, and you can watch people that are connected, you know, husband, wife, friends, peers, someone else is speaking, and you see one of these. And I want to be like, hey, yo, what's that? What's that right there? What's that? Just because you shared it with your spouse, you think it's not destroying the body? Because eventually, what happens? What happens? The mouth is the overflow valve of the heart. It's going to come out eventually. It's going to come out eventually. And so now that you let it loose, and it's not safe with your spouse, it will come out eventually, and it has no place in the body. It's corruptive. It eventually breaks us down. You're sitting at a table, and someone starts to speak. In negative ways, the thing that you have to ask yourself is, in what way does this build up the body of Christ? Because that's what Paul's really getting at. All of these things tear down the body of Christ. They disrupt what God is doing through his spirit. And so just because you're in the safe domain of your own private home does not mean that you have a force field around the providence of God to work in your life. It's still, people are still picking up on it. I love parents. Oh, parents, 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 parents. Your kids are saying things that you say in your house. It's coming out. So you might say, hey, you know what? This is just for us. This is just for us. This is just for us. I can't tell you how many youth trips I've been on or how many times a teenager, though they are so self-controlled by nature, teenagers are so self-controlled intuitively, they all of a sudden blot that out, and then you're left in that awkward position like, I don't, I don't remember saying that. See number one, falsehood. Falsehood. You need to put that off in the things that should be coming out of your mouth because, because you're a holy person, because you're a righteous person, are things that, that build up in dust, and we'll speak more to that the following week. Uh, the third and final one that he speaks about is found in verse 31. He says, anything from anger, wrath, anger, all of those different things, you, you just need to put it all off. And so when you feel yourself starting to get triggered, that's your moment that you need to go back to your morning routine, and that should be your sign where all of a sudden you're like, 
I can feel it in my heart. And so my mama, she would always say something like this. Maybe your mama shared it with you. If you ain't got nothing nice to say, don't say it at all. Don't say it at all. Because often when you speak out of anger, James, the brother of Jesus, and anytime, anytime someone has a relationship like that, I tend to listen up. James, the brother of Jesus, puts it this way. He says, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You might feel justified because you're angry and you got all these feelings. But eventually what it leads to, and you can actually see a progression in verse 31, anger, wrath, bitterness, resentfulness, and then he gets into to clamor and slander. It kind of works from the inside out. It's interesting how that happens again. Words from the inside out, and then you get in a clamor, which is like that yelling, and then the slander is where you're just cutting people down. You're, I mean, uh, your, your words are like sword thrusts, and you just... And there, there's no place here. There's no place here for that. I, I get sometimes it will happen because we're all in process. But we can't just be okay with it. I mean, we're members of one another. We are the body of Christ. And so, in a nutshell, what, what Paul is, is trying to say is what you do should reflect the new you. What you do should reflect the new you. Every morning you wake up, and if you are in Christ, you are new. So you need to take out a new toothbrush. And you need to scrub a dub-dub all over those pearly, yellow, crooked, straight whites of yours. And remind yourself that your mouth, from your mouth, from your tongue, both death and life can come. God wants to leverage you to build up his church. Next week we'll talk more specifically about that. But listen to me, church. There are some of us, we are spreading our bad breath all over people. People at work, people at home, pe- you know, friends. You, know, you, get, you get into Dunkin' Donuts and you think to yourself, I thought this was a fast food joint. Holy smokes, good night. I've been waiting here for 10 minutes, 10 minutes. And then when you get your stuff, it's not even the right stuff. And you're like, how hard is it to get a hazelnut coffee with cream? Hazelnut coffee with cream. I mean, it's, it's three things. Hazelnut, coffee, and cream. It doesn't take a genius as rocket scientist to figure out hazelnut, coffee, and cream. And then you go back up and what happens? It's it's someone messes this up again. <laughs> it, it it tends, we, we just it's it happens so quick, and I think it's because we we have not grown in tune with the anger of our hearts and recognizing it's it's not leading to profitable places. It's leading to destructive places. Some of you guys, you're gonna go, you're gonna go out for Father's Day today, or you're going back. 
And you just need to be on guard. So, tonight, because all of us brush our teeth twice a day, just like all of the dentists recommend, I want you to bust out your toothbrush. And wash out your mouth.